that's the song I was a little afraid to put on the album because I was like, my mom you, listens. Exactly what to I was thinking. Music. I was like, your parents have heard this song. I know. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Ear Fuel Podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can find me talking about music all the time at facebook.com slash thedailyguru and Instagram under Ear Fuel. What you heard at the top was part of my conversation with the brilliant and wonderful Emily Danger. She has a brand new album out, and it's one half gut-wrenching, unsettling truth, and then it's one half heart-pumping sensuality. It's really awesome. We dug into that balance, leaving your past behind, and so much more. But before we get to the interview, a quick album review. The record I want to look at today is called Shine On, and it's the latest offering from Steve Poltz. There's a snake in the middle of the road. Do I swerve to miss? I can't shake this feeling that I hold. There's poison in your kiss. Now, I've been a fan of Steve Poltz for something like 30 years now. I, th- I think it's coming up on 30 years. And to tell you the truth, my life is worlds better for knowing him and seeing him alive. He is one of the most entertaining individuals you'll ever meet. And if he's coming to your town, and chances are he is, do your ears and your soul a favor and go check him out best live show on the planet, Steve Poltz. So, that being said, his new album is really his most full-on dive into the folky country-western sounds almost that have been slowly creeping into a sound over the past decade. His last record was called Folk Singer, and rightfully so, but it's just a great mixture of sounds he's got going on without losing the essence of Steve Poltz, the Poltzness, if you will. Over the last few years, Steve has developed this passion for, of all bands, The Grateful Dead. And you can really hear that influence tinging on the edges of the wonderful song, Over the Top for You. And as always, he continues to show himself as one of the most talented lyricists of his generation. Tracks like The Pickup Song and Windows of Halifax cement that, and the latter of them, I just, I really like what he did with that, how it flows into a song and then a story and then a song. It's it's just a really cool piece you need to hear. From harmonicas and pedal steel to cranked up guitars, Pult hits all over the spectrum, and it kind of turns into one of those records that you just want to play over and over and over. You really just kind of get comfortable in it, and it just keeps getting better and better every single time. For me, though, there are two hidden gems on this album. The first is the song Furthest Star, and the title track is the other. It's outright gorgeous. I fell in love with it almost instantly when I saw him perform it live last December, and it's It's just one of those songs. You're going to love it. Celebrate your fears. Celebrate your scars. You've earned everyone. You're a shiny old car. Bottom line is, Steve Poltz continues to get better with age. Shine On is an outstanding addition to his already must-own catalog. Trust me on this one. You're going to love it. So go put your ears on it today. Moving on, Emily Danger's new album, it's called Less Blue, is her first in many years, way too many years, and it's one of those perfectly titled records that comes around every once in a while. You're just like, yep, that is the exact name this album should be. And with a voice and distinctive blend of sounds as captivating as she has, I am more than glad to have her back in the music scene. 
Having found her way out of an abusive marriage, Emily leaves little to the imagination on the darker half of this album, and yet it balances perfectly with reflections on her new love and the life that that itself brought back to her. There's so much going on above and beneath the surface on this, and I'm going to let her explain the rest, but there is one quick caveat. This interview was recorded about two days after the New York Times broke their story about the allegations against Ryan Adams, but due to my schedule and a sick toddler, it took me a bit to get this one out. It only really matters for the context of the first two minutes, so yeah, I said it. Without any further ado, here's Emily Danger. No, it's okay. At I all. mean, a um, number of times I've said that in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what he said. So, before we even get started with everything proper, um, because I was curious, mm-hmm. did you know that six years ago yesterday, the video, the first video you and I did together when I interviewed you in the back in the of a van. van, yeah, it was published to my YouTube channel six years ago yesterday. Crazy. Hadn't even thought about it. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Like I and and I laughed because you were playing with like, like a like a seven piece. Just I can't even tell you who was in that band. That was yeah. Like because they were like, oh yeah, go check it. I was like, okay, and it it was a weird configuration in like oh my god the venue. It was was an LIC bar, right? Yeah, but it was like this big like wannabe like uh, almost mountain lodgy, yes, weird sort of place. It's not there anymore, I don't think. Mm. Well, I mean, it was an oddball place. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but I was like, wow, I was like six years. What? It's been a long six years. I know. It's been quite. Look what happened. I know. There's a baby chair right there. I know. We have we have a and a baby sits in it. He does. He does, although I got yelled at. Apparently, he's a toddler now. I asked, when does baby end in toddler? And I was just told, like, apparently I was supposed to just know. I don't know. But how old is he? Uh, 17 months, maybe? I mean, he's coming up on a year and a half. He's still a baby. He's he's a tiny human. He's a little baby. Yeah, but uh, six years. That's crazy. It's been, it's been quite a six years. It's been a lot of six, a lot of many lifetimes. Yeah, we've, we've 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 both gone through some stuff. Yeah, a couple things. A little thing. Yeah, one or one or two things one have or two happened. Things. Just small little things. Nothing important. No, no. <clears throat> so, but like I said, you know, before we started, I was happy in a weird way when the New York Times published the Ryan Adams piece the other day, and it just so it said. These are all allegations. Nothing has been proven. This is all allegedly. Right. So that nobody can sue me over this. We're talking about allegedly. Right. But, you know, I work in the music industry and I have for 10 years and 20 years of my life. I have yet to find anybody in the industry who was surprised by any of this. Really? Yeah. Huh. You know, and, and for me... The fact that there were many allegations, yeah, including by a couple people who had something to lose on this one, like you know people who really put their name out there, you know Mandy Moore certainly being Huge. one of those, yeah, lends some credence as as a woman in the music industry. How did you react to this? I was also not surprised. Um, I don't know why, because I think I've always viewed him as a jerk. Like, I see him do live things, and I see um, 
I see him interviewed and I'm like, I think he maybe is a jerk. Uh-huh. He just comes across as kind of a jerk. Yeah. I love his music and Heartbreaker is one of my favorite albums of all time. Sure. Got me through college, but still you, I don't know. I just wasn't, I wasn't super surprised. I was not surprised at the Mandy Moore thing because mm-hmm. when he wrote his last album, Prisoner, I liked it. And I made that joke that like, oh yeah, it's because he's not married to Mandy Moore anymore and he's sad again. So his music's good. Sure. Kind of thing. Sure. Great music rarely comes from happy, well-adjusted people. hundred percent. Let, let, let's be honest. <laughs> Ra- rarely happens. Very true. Yeah. And the saddest times produce the best, the best music. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I just wasn't surprised mm-hmm. by it all because he seems like that kind of guy. Like with Beck, I love Beck to the end of the mm. earth. His best two records are Morning Phase and Sea Change. Yeah. Because they're really sad. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of your favorite records ever. Yes. Can you still listen to it the same way? I knew you were going to ask me this. Yeah. I thought about this all the way here. Um, No, I can't listen to it the same way. And I will say, Heartbreaker, Call Me On Your Way Back Home is one of mine and Joe's songs. Mm-hmm. One of mine and my husband's songs. Um. And now it's it's not that it's ruined, but I can't hear it without those beautiful memories. And I also yeah. can't hear it without being like, oh, my God, you did a horrible thing to many women. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. 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 Although, to be fair to him, hardly the first person in the music industry. I know. You know, one, one of my best friends and I were talking the other day and he said, well, what's the difference between this and like the mother who sold her guardianship rights to her 15-year-old daughter to Steven Tyler in 1974 so he could take her across state lines. Not a lot of people know about that. Or, you know, Jimmy Page had a well-known teenage groupie living in his home for some time. You know, And I told him, I said, it's because of the culture right now, I think, is the only real difference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it, things get swept under the rug from the past that I think will come out. Mm-hmm. Like the, I mean, have you watched Surviving R. Kelly? Uh, yeah, yeah. Whoa. I mean, I mean, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. And, and it was nice to see, although they really didn't have any other choice, him get dropped from his label. I mean, any label that didn't do it. Bad move. Yeah. 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 But I think the R. Kelly thing, like he continued to make music even after the PP tape sure. came out. Yeah. Everybody knew it was a joke. And yet. Yeah, exactly. But it wasn't that it's like you said, it was a joke. Mm-hmm. Chappelle made a joke out of it. It was yeah. a joke. It wasn't necessarily because he wasn't convicted. And there was that whole thing with like, oh, is that this girl? Is that this other girl? They couldn't prove who it was. But now that people are coming forward and the actual victims are coming forward and being like, no, it happened to me. Mm-hmm. It's all of a sudden very somber. And I think that it, it does mean a change is going to be a coming. But I think we're going to hear from a lot of past. I, I hope so. Things. You know, I... I- the, I, I posted it the other day. The music industry is in need of a cleansing of douchebags. Oh, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's not going to cleanse to the point of like venue owners and promoters <sighs> and stuff. Yeah. Um, or PR people. Or, yeah. So, so you know, we don't need to go into too many gory details. Yeah. But, you know, what sort of stuff have you experienced, you know, as the musician that you are? Yeah. I mean... Not a ton, because I have not gotten that deep into the music industry, Mm -hmm. which is a blessing and, I guess, a curse. But what I've experienced more of is men with egos saying, I'm going to do this for you. We're going to do this for you. Going to make you a star. Yeah. And then nothing comes of it. Yeah. Just like a lot of inflated promises and nothing. Yeah. I know these people. I know these people. Exactly. Exactly. Fortunately... 
it was never in return for like a sexual favor. Mm-hmm. I think the overt sexism that I experienced was being in a band actually with a bunch of dudes mm-hmm. and having venue owners like approach the dudes and ask them a question and they would be like, well, don't look at me. I don't know. She's in charge kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and that, then, that it's your band yeah. is the weird thing. Yes, exactly. Or the other thing that I am experiencing with this album is people asking me who produced it. And though there were two extremely capable, wonderful men who helped me produce it, I also produced yeah. it. So when I say, oh, myself and so-and-so, they're like, oh, really? Oh, wow. Look at you. You, you produced a song. Yeah, you learned computer software. You can press those keys. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. That's yeah. adorable. Yeah. yeah. It's that kind of thing. So yeah. it's like the like Missy Elliott finally being recognized for her incredible production yeah. talent. It's that kind of thing of like women aren't recognized as producers. Sure. You know, so that has been my experience. Less, thankfully, the sexual favor mm-hmm. realm, more the whole shock People just not taking you seriously and and thinking you have similar or superior abilities to men. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, People are always very surprised that I'm an actual musician. Like, oh, you play the piano. Oh, you also play guitar. Oh, you have taken music theory. Mm -hmm. Like you majored in music. People are very surprised by that. You don't just sing in your car in your spare time. Right. Exactly. I'm not just a singer. Yeah. 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 It's really great. <laughs> and and that that's the thing. And, and that is what I've been trying to tell people is that, you know, intimidation, harassment, and, and all manner of sexism yeah. have been running rampant in every corner of the music industry forever. Oh, yeah. And, and as much as I'd like to say this is going to be when it stops, it, it's just, I just don't think it will be. You're always going to have just gross venue owners and door guys and sound guys. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when as as we're talking about kind of not being taken seriously and how it is to navigate the music world as a woman kind of fits conveniently with a lot of the themes around this record. Yeah, it's um, it's an intense album. It is really intense. It from from how I, I read it. It's very much an album of two sides, if you will. Yeah. Um, was did the songwriting itself take place in very different periods of your life yes very very different it started well let me think yeah there's a few songs that i wrote while i was still married to my Mm ex-husband and then the majority of the songs were written after i left that marriage Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like a timeline not necessarily in sequential order of the album which was my first original idea but then i was like it's pretty on the nose so i just kind of mixed it up Uh (laughs) just threw through caution to the wind Mixed it up, and then um, it's all over the place, really, with how it was written. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did you rework any of the songs that you had written earlier on? You know, yes. You're kind of like, I should take that out, or... Not in a way of I should take that out, but in a way of like, this doesn't reflect the actual experience. This mm-hmm. is a, it was like a diet song, if okay. you will. And then once I was out of that relationship, I was like, I have nothing left to hide. I'm just going to really be blunt in mm-hmm. certain things yeah yeah the lyrics don't uh don't leave much to the imagination yeah. <laughs> um, so so when you were reworking these songs was it cathartic for you yes in immensely it was actually more cathartic to release the songs mm-hmm. because i think i was holding on to them for a really long time in an actual sense of like holding on to my feelings about it holding on to my memories of it and i this sounds so hippy dippy but i swear to god the second I pushed enter on like sending it off into sure. the void, 
I was like, that's it. That's that chapter of my life and it's done and it's not going to have any more power over me. That is it. That is, that is the period at the it. end of the sentence. Yes. Yeah. New book, new chapter. So, uh, did did this did the words flow smoothly once you had the music or you know was it was it tough to kind of piece them together to get the moods right because each one of these songs has a very specific mood to it i think they came in such i mean it took me a really long time to write this album it mm-hmm. took me 2 years 3 if you want to include like a couple songs that i threw in from the past um I think they came in monthly spurts. Like I would arrange the music and Mm -hmm. I would have the basic skeletons of the arrangement. And then I would have the lyrics. And when things worked the best was when they came together. Like, for example, Less Blue is my favorite song on the album. Mm -hmm. And the lyrics and the arrangement came totally together at the piano. The other stuff was kind of like I was trying to master certain beats. I was trying to like, do certain things with arrangements and then once that came together I could throw lyrics on top of it but the lyrics always existed I think in my brain and also in a journal that I kept Mm -hmm. for a little bit and I would constantly reference back to that so there was phrases that are in some of these songs that were like five years old that I just threw in for memory sake they're fun memories they're really fun fun. so then let's talk about less blue since it's it's your favorite track on the album was this written back then or more recently this was written recently okay and i guess recently in the context of a a, toward the very beginning of my new relationship Uh who i'm the man i'm now married to (laughs) because you know when when i listen to it again and maybe it is just because i know you well enough yeah it, it could play into both situations. I never really thought about that. It can, yeah. It totally can. Yeah. The, you're the first one to bring that up. Yes, I That's win. great. <laughs> you're the deepest. Because um, the, the, the core lyric behind it, the, in, in the chorus, I was like, that's... I had to listen to it a couple of times where I was like, oh, this is about Mr. Now and not Mr. Then. Got it. Oh, that is very perceptive i have never even thought of it no one's ever called me perceptive before so i'll take it i'll take it um so so you know how how did that what was the genesis of that song and why do you love it so much the genesis of that song was that i realized what an amazing person i was with Mm -hmm. and what emotional and psychological abuse does to you is it makes you feel like you are not worthy of anyone even your abuser, like you're so lucky to be with your abuser is how they make you feel. And so when you begin a new relationship with someone who you're like totally enamored with and think the world of, you're like, I don't deserve this because I am a mess. Mm -hmm. And so those feelings were the things that I really struggled to get over. And they were like the lingering, that was like the last bit to be gone. And through therapy and through yoga and a lot of self growth it's finally gone but it was writing that song just made me put on paper like this is how I feel I am at this moment like not worthy of this person Mm -hmm. and he will go and find someone else and be like well I'm really glad I didn't end up with that total mess of a person (laughs) like thank goodness yeah and that's why that last line that and you'll be spared Mm -hmm. is has is alone and it has no accompaniment behind it because that was just me and my voice and how I felt at that moment. And so, so do you kind of see that as that was the turning point song and maybe that's why you're so attached to it? I think so. And I think also when I showed my now husband that song, he just burst into tears and cried and cried and was like, 
this is so beautiful, but also so vulnerable. And and he loves that song too. And so I think him loving that song also was me being like, oh my God, he accepts this song. Therefore, he accepts me. I win because you you told him everything you were thinking (laughs) through music. Exactly. And he wasn't afraid of it. Yeah. He didn't run away from it. He wasn't like, oh, I got to save myself out of this situation. He just cried and gave me a hug. And that is how our whole relationship is. It's just just crying and hugging. Crying and hugging and telling the truth. (laughs) That's what it should be. That's what I'll marriage take it. is. I'll take it. Just, yeah, need, need more tears. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about Won't Break. Okay, Because great. it is the most fascinating song for me. Ooh. Um, I'm the one you chose, so can you Maybe the most intense lyric you've ever written? Loosen your grip so my neck won't break. I mean, yeah, let's go with that one. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, yeah. I mean, pretty, yeah. When, when you were talking a bit earlier about how you kind of decided to take any sugar coating off what you had written, is that one of the lines that came out of there? You know what's hilarious? No. That lyric has always been there. Oh. Um, and my ex-husband heard it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when this actually happened because I've deleted a lot of this from my memory bank, but we had, I had a discussion with him toward the end where he was like, I mean, I know that song is about me. And I think I just went, yeah. (laughs) Like (laughs) learn from that. Of course it is. Yeah. But yeah, he knew all along that that song was about him, but that's kind of the Ryan Adams thing, right? It's like, I am aware of what I'm doing to you. I'm not going to stop. Right. So that's why I was kind of like, I'm not changing that lyric. That's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, the whole song is really just putting the nightmare out there. Right. And, and you yeah. know, I, I also liked how the music on it, it's a little ominous. It's a little like rainy day kind of just unsettling. Yeah. 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 I, anytime I play it for people, they're like, this could be a Bond theme. Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Which makes me really happy because I love James Bond. Yeah. Or, you know, just like, a David Lynch film, maybe, Ooh, or just. Oh, I like that. It, it, it really has, you know. I I wrote it here. It's just very, very ominous. Yes, in, in a good way. Yeah, in a, in a good way. Oh no, totally. You know, um, yeah. Except for the fact that, like, I know you, and I care so much about you, and went, oh, this is so. <laughs> when when it first came out, you know, my wife said to me, she's like, oh, how's the record? I'm like, I don't know if I want you to listen to it because because wow. we we care about you so much. That's it's really so sweet. it's so hard to yeah listen to, but you know, then then we kind of get to the other side. Um, you know, we get to the other side with songs like Stuck. Yeah. Uh, Shaken Awake. Yeah. You know, I mean, where Won't Break is very raw. Yeah. In one way, Shaken Awake is very raw. <laughs> in another way, yeah. and, and I alluded to this early, it, it's a little sometimes strange for me to listen to that song because I'm like, I know both of you very well. Right, and, right. And, and how did that song come to be? Because it's, it's one of the most, not in a bad way, primitive, just just primal yeah. song. Yeah. So hold my hair to the side. I set the tone and the pace. I cream my neck back to see. The look I love on your face. I got more where I came from. And I know I mean... I'm, it came out of a primitive primal time in the relationship where I was like, I'm so obsessed with this person and I now see what like 
animalistic love is like, but yeah. in the context of safety that I, he honestly, he walked out the door one day and I wrote that song. And because I was like, I want him to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just, that's where it came from. Yeah. And it's so funny you said that because I, that's the song I was a little afraid to put on the album because I was like, my mom you, listens. Exactly what to I was thinking. Music. I was like, your parents have heard this song. <laughs> I know. My dad is so funny because he never says a word about anything. Like <clears throat> when I released, uh, oh my God. Research. Uh, more torn. Peace Arch. Thank yeah. you so much for knowing my things. Um, I try. When I released that and Deflate was on there and it has the F word in it. Yeah. You know, my dad didn't say anything. My mom always says something. And when I released this EP, I was just waiting for her text. Yeah. I was like, it's going to come. And it never came. She just said how proud she was. And so she has grown a lot also, I think. May, or maybe she just like, she just skips that maybe song when it comes around. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. You can't really interpret that in too many ways. You can't. It's, you know. You can't. But we're all adults. We are, exactly. And, we're and, all adults and I'm married. Yeah, and it, it's just, it, it <laughs> in that sense, it's it's such a beautiful piece because yeah. it's, it's, it's so vulnerable. Yeah. Um, how did you find the right way to match the music with that? That was a hard one, and that I'm going to give a ton of credit to Alex Varela, who mm-hmm. produced that song. And he is in France, and he is a genius. And I sent him this kind of cluster situation of a song. It, it didn't flow. It was like trying to be a Kanye song a little bit, I think. <laughs> and my beat just was not good with it. And it, I sent it to him via email, and then he sent me back like a snippet. And I went, oh, that's what it should be like. And like the world drums and that little, yeah, yeah that little yeah. background yell, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. I never would have thought of. And he also stripped away a ton of stuff I had. Like I had this huge string arrangement on it. I had a lot of crap on it. Mm-hmm. And when I got it back, I was a little alarmed because I was like, this feels empty. But also it felt like the mood and it felt like the environment of the song. It, yeah, it, it yeah. nails it. He got it. And and on a lot of these songs, since you referenced Peace, Peace Arch, I can speak, they seem more minimalistic in yes. terms of the arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, was it, was that a purposeful thing? It came out of necessity at first because I don't have a band anymore. Sure. So I, and I'm limited as to what I can do on real instruments. But um, it also was a purposeful thing because it's my first solo album. It's my first moment to be like, hey, this is exactly what I'm feeling at this time and this is who I am now so let's just see what I can do by myself and have other people put some ears on it and put their talents on it in a way that is true to what I'm doing now Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. so I think like with the other albums there's a lot of I listen back on it now and there are a lot of things I would do differently because I think there's a lot of overlapping of sounds that is a little much at times and I wanted to not do that again. I mm-hmm. wanted to kind of learn from what I view as past mistakes in that realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the lyrics here are, and not to s- say anything bad about your older lyrics, they, mm-hmm. they certainly deserve more of a stage. Yeah, you I know? agree. I these agree are, with these that. These are very lyrics-driven songs. Yeah, totally. Totally. Jumping back, has anyone in your life responded in any way to this other than, hey, really love the record. Oh, I'm so proud of what you did. Like in a negative way? Either way. No, um, this has been an overwhelming response from the people I know mm-hmm. and who know and love me. It's been wonderful. Um, 
there were people I never would have expected that wrote me and were like, not only do I love the album, but I believe you like members of his family, like (laughs) things that you never, I never would have imagined just people coming out of the woodwork and being like, thank you for this. Mm -hmm. This means a lot to me for various reasons. And it's in a way that is awesome because I purposefully did not do PR on this album. Yeah. Um, and I just decided to release it out there and then delete my Facebook personal page like the next day. Um, it's just the smart thing to do. Yeah. But I was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. Mm-hmm. I just want to release it for me. And the response that I've gotten back has been so much more genuine as a result and has been lovely. Just really positive and wonderful. Because it's all you and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a very real record. Yeah. And, and a lot of people these days complain that so much music is synthetic and it's, it's, this is as real as it gets. I mean, this is the real shit. Thank you. You know, it's, it's, it's your work. I'm just saying what yeah, it is. Thanks. You know, um, jumping back to the lyrics. Yeah. I keep saying jumping back, whatever. That's it's okay. in my head today. I'm okay with it. Um, on stuck. Yeah. Two phrases I really love when you, uh, the, I just resemble her anyway. Um, mm. was this looking, you looking inside yourself and saying like, you know, I see the person you think, I should be and I just I'm kind of a shell of that or that is it's actually more of an actual definite um, what is the word it's more of a literal lyric because that also came out of the time when I was just starting to fall in love with my now husband Mm -hmm. and he weirdly has been with people in the past because we've been I was friends with him for 11 years before we got married that resemble me and like it's very it's very weird okay (laughs) very weird and but very true and so one of the big things that I would struggle with is a lot of comparison in this Instagram culture oh yeah um especially musically comparing myself to other female artists and you know why are they getting these gigs and I'm not getting these gigs and blah 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 and so that I was trying to kind of tie into my feelings of self-doubt and being like what's the line before it now you're killing me. I didn't, I didn't write the song. I just listened to it. I know. I can't think of it. Um, I think it just came from a from a place of like, um, we are going to try this out. We're going to try this relationship out. But you're going to see soon that I'm not as as up on the looks factor and personality factor as your other past people kind uh-huh. of things. You know? Yeah. Because I grew up as an ugly kid. Like, I was a very ugly kid I grew in up as the fat kid. There you go. I get it. You yeah. know. And yeah. I had to go get by on my winning personality when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> I'm still not sure how I survived because I sure as hell don't have that. You do. <laughs> well, now I do at like 40, but, you know. You had, it, it took time 12, to grow. I just, yeah, a long time. Like about 39 and a half years. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. It's hard. And yeah. so there's always that part of you that's like, I'm still that ugly kid who had to like get braces and glasses and dye her hair and work really hard mm-hmm. to be somewhat okay looking when all around me I have like stunningly gorgeous. You were at my wedding. I have stunningly gorgeous friends and yeah. you're like, oh my God, you're friends with supermodels. And that has always really been something in my life that I've held deep within. And so in that song, that's just one line mm-hmm. for me to be like, I'm still aware that I'm the awkward, ugly fourth grader, you know? Okay, I, <laughs> I disagree with you, but okay, that, that lyric's for you. You'll always feel that way, Lyri- I think. That lyric is for you, and I love intense lyrics, but 
there was one line and it's on stuck that I just, I love. And it's, um, losing my mind feels like a good idea or seems like a good idea tonight. Yeah. I I love that. Oh, thanks. You know, um, I, I, trying to get my sanity one night might be good, but, um, which comes more naturally for you writing a lyric or, or orchestrating? I mean, it depends on what day it is. I think it really does. It really does. There are days when things come out of me writing wise that I'm like, I don't know where that came from. Mm -hmm. And then there are days when, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to say lyrics, lyrics come easier because I think with orchestration, I have a real problem trying to live up to Radiohead in my life. Uh, most people yeah, do. Except if you're Radiohead and sure. then you are Radiohead. Right. <laughs> but I have a real problem comparing myself, again, to the greats and being like, what a dumb chord progression that is. Right. Tom York would have done this differently. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Okay. FGC, who yeah. do you think you are? A Christian <laughs> rock song? God, you know, I just, yeah. I hate that. I hate that. And so I just have these gross expectations of like, this needs to be more complex mm-hmm. or it needs to be more interesting. And I forget a lot of times that there's a reason that George Harrison's Got My Mind Set On You is so good. Right. Yeah. It's so good. Right. Is that not a great it's, song? It's, I mean, out of, out of all four of those gentlemen, Harrison is my, by miles my favorite. He's, we could talk about you know, this for days. Yeah. Yes. Right. But so good. I get it. Yes. You look, you look at your heroes and you're like, man, Iggy Pop would have done that so much better than me. But yeah. That's why it's Iggy fucking Pop. Right. Like, totally. You know. Totally. But it's so stupid, I think. Yes, with it is. That, with music now, especially... I think music is so simple now. It's just anything you turn on the radio, you're like, well, you can play that in five seconds. Yeah. And so to kind of, I'm, that's what I'm battling with now is trying to get back into the writing room and not be like, it has to be this Suspiria type soundtrack, mm-hmm. you know? So I think lyrics, that was a very long winded answer to your question. It's I think okay. lyrics come easier for me. I mean, we're, we're not pressed for time here. I, I think it okay. took us somewhere good. Yeah. Um, so aside from where you are being different in your, in your life, there, there's also a bit of a visual difference if you look at the cover of Peace Arch and then the cover <laughs> of, right? Yes. And then the cover of the War Torn sing- single and then yes. this. It's, 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 it's noticeable to me. Yes. Was, was the choice of the album art this time purposeful for you? Other than I really like that picture. Thank you. Um, it was because the woman who took that photo, her name is Walls Tremble. She's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I wanted a woman to take my my album cover for sure. Um, and though a woman technically did do the Peace Arch um, cover, Inez, mm-hmm. from Inez and Be Nude, I got to choose. I mean, obviously, who wouldn't want to choose Inez and Be Nude? I mean. Right. But there's a, a backstory to how I look in that photo. And they did amazing things as they do with every photo. But I was not pleased with my hair. I thought my makeup was like a lot Mm -hmm. and I felt very not myself Mm -hmm. with this photo that walls did. She was like, bring your favorite outfit, um, style your hair, however, whatever. And then just come. And she got the lighting exactly right. I was wearing my favorite jumpsuit. You could kind of see my tattoo. And that was exactly the second I saw the photo. I was like, that's it. That's it. So yeah, that was purposeful in getting a female artist. Mm -hmm. The, 
war-torn single, Joe took that picture. Really? My husband. Mm-hmm. He took that photo. And when I sent it to Devin, one of my producers, to kind of sign off on and just get a second opinion on, he goes, you finally look like yourself. And that said it all. It was like, exactly. I wasn't getting art directed by someone who wanted me to look ugly. So that was really nice. So then kind of from from every corner, this record is just you being you. Yeah, 100%. Totally. Doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't. I know. I feel really good about it. Yeah, it's your yeah. record. Well, That's awesome. It. Yeah. It's a perfect ending. Woohoo! Done. We did another one. Yeah. I'm sure there's someone else better for you. Someone who paints the town a little less blue. My thanks again to Emily for making time. Go check out Less Blue, and you can find her all over the internets under Emily Danger or Emily Danger Band. Now, before I get out of here, it's been a while, but it is time again for some more Ear Fuel homework. For those of you new to the podcast, most episodes, I assign an album to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions. It stems from the fact that these days, music has become a background task. You're at the gym, you're driving, you're at work, and you're just, you're really not paying full attention. And this assignment is about taking some time to consciously listen to music for the sake of the music alone. This week, because I've been playing it a lot more than usual lately, your assignment is Terry Riley's groundbreaking 1969 album, A Rainbow in Curved Air. With just two tracks, both hovering around the 20-minute mark, this album kind of falls under the umbrella of experimental, but just, just I want to give some clarity here. It's somewhere between electronic, jazz, classical, and psychedelic, I think. It's, it's, it's a very distinctive blend of sounds. So remember, though, we are talking about 1969, so ahead of its time is a massive understatement. When you listen to this, you are going to hear the building blocks for the organ pieces on the two Who classics, Won't Get Fooled Again and Bob O'Reilly. And Mike Oldfield points to this as a large inspiration for his classic, Tubular Bells. There's no denying that this is a large part of the foundation of the ambient music movement. And you can even see its influence in prog rock, jazz fusion, of course, electronica. This is just one of those super important, super influential records that not enough people talk about. On both tracks, Terry is playing all of the instruments, electric organ, harpsichord, drum, tambourine. He also handles the tape manipulation, the overdubs, and he is really the one responsible for making it sound like, well, I mean, it sounds like this. tracks were largely improvised and at every turn it just it dazzles the ears seriously this is it's one of those records that is impossible to explain it I'm, I'm trying but struggling but it's outright cool in an undeniable way and when i mentioned that it's a little classical there are clear movements on these pieces when the percussion comes in it just pushes this soundscape into another universe so this this is very much a non-traditional album but it's also absolutely brilliant. It's a joy to play again and again. I cannot tell you how much I love this record. So open your mind and go give a spin to a rainbow in curved air. Thank me later. So that's all for this week. My thanks again to Emily Danger for making time. Go check out the new record. Really, go go listen to it. You will not regret it. 
The podcast is available, well, wherever you get your podcasts. And if it's not available where you got your podcast, first off, how, how did you get this episode? And please let me know so I can make sure it's there. Come follow my daily music ramblings on Instagram under EarFuel and Facebook under The Daily Guru. And that's it for this edition of EarFuel. Share and enjoy. Enjoy.